Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Oil and Gas HSE podcast. I'm Patrick Pfister, and this is a special episode because it's broken into two parts. Mark and I were out at OTC, and we got to do some live recordings from the Red Wing booth at the exhibition floor at the Offshore Technology Conference 2017. We were also at NOV Shrimp Boil, their special uh, day-long event at their facility here in Houston. So this episode's broken into two parts. Uh, we're going to start off at Red Wing's booth on day one of OTC, Part two, I'll break up with the uh, Red Wing bag winner, and that ro- recording comes from the NOV Shrimp Boil. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll get right into it. In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes can cost far more than dollars, one oil and gas sales expert, one HSE professional, and the greatest PPE provider on the planet must come together. Two men, one brand, one mission. Red Wings Oil and Gas HSE Podcast with Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister starts now. Hey, it's Mark LaCour. This show is for everybody who has an interest in HSE in the oil and gas industry. Brought to you by Red Wing, the leaders in PPE, ensuring your people go home safe every day. Joining me today is two special co-hosts. I have Patrick Pister, my normal uh, HSE sidekick. Hey, Mark, how you doing? And where are we today, Patrick? We are at OTC, day one of OTC, the largest conference for upstream oil and gas and third largest conference worldwide. Third largest conference of any kind worldwide. And we also have Tito Warren on the mic. How you doing today, Tito? Pretty good, Mark. How you doing? Good. You and I have known each other for quite a while now, huh? We have shared a few stories. Yeah. And so we're sitting here at Red Wing's booth, and one of the stories I want to share with our audience, both in the future and the people walking by, is you think of Red Wing as a service provider, as a product provider. What you don't understand is their unbelievable laser focus to doing high-quality work, both of their people and their products. And so, Tito, I kind of like to talk about that. You know, that's a cultural thing that has to be, you know, has to come from the top. Can you want to talk a little bit about that, that story? You know, it, it's a great story, and it's it's something that um, our ownership, the, the family really, that has been driven into every piece and part of, of our company, from, from the middle management to the great employees that we have on our manufacturing line to product development. You know, we, we call it playing long ball. Uh, we, we do things for the right reason, to protect the brand, to protect the reputation for the long term. And so there's there's such a great I, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean the, the 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 being so proud of the products that we manufacture from the floor and the people that sell them to the people that are in the management and, and helping drive that culture, every aspect is 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 it's what we think about all the time. That's, that's what we do. Y'all live it and breathe it. So Patrick and I had a chance to tour your manufacturing facility, and you have frontline people pulling products off the line that, if you look at it, look impeccable, and yet there's one small defect. And, 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 and it was just amazing. And, and it's not that this is some edict from upper management. Your people believe it in their hearts and soul, and it just is such a wonderful thing, and it's so rare in today's world. But it, again, it, it goes back to the ownership at the most common level, right? The, the people that... Are, are making that product are so proud of being that American brand. Uh, the, the, the quality is, is not, it, it's about every shoe being the best they can do, every product we make being the best that that person can do, 
and and that's what we stand for well, day in and, and day out. And fourth generation employees work oh, yeah. in the factory too, so it's it's ingrained in their family, their traditions. There there are brothers, sisters, fathers, grandfathers. I mean, it, it is a it is a family company, no question that's about amazing. it. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and, and one of the things that, that is just so cool about Red Wing is that because you have a focus on quality and it's built into your culture, you make sure that the stuff that goes out your door keeps people safe. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Again, the, the pride in which people take knowing that they're building a product that will protect people day in and day out, it has to be there. And, and when, when people say, I know the brand Red Wing, it's the best. It's the best in what they do. It's the class and the dedication that they do in not only manufacturing it, but the creation, the testing, the constant testing. It, it, is, it is something that is oh, from really... When, from when the leather shows up to all the way through the process, you can trace it back to where that came from and identify defects before they get to the end user, which they never do. That's right. I mean, it, we have probably one of the most advanced labs for footwear testing in the world, and, and, we, and we use it. And we use it for not only the leather, but for all the componentry that uh, goes into our products. Everything is tested, retested, and tested again. That lab looked like fun. Just destroying boots all day. It is. That's <laughs> all it does. That's all it does. Yeah. And so everybody knows Red Wings for their boots. I mean, I've had a, I have a pair of Red Wing boots that's going to outlive me. But y'all are way more than just boots, right? Y'all are in PPE, and you're not a newcomer to this. Well, you know, and, and that's, that's something that it's probably part of the evolution of our company is that we're, we're not a footwear company, we're actually a PPE company. And PPE footwear is one aspect of the PPE spectrum. And we take great ownership and great pride in being a key part of that spectrum. But we also make footwear, workwear, protective eyewear, um, some basic protection for, for hand, you know, hand protection. So yeah, we're, we're a we're a multifaceted company, and that continues to evolve. And it's the same quality level across the board from what I've seen. It's not there, just the quality in boots, and then you have other products. It's quality, quality, quality. Ev everything that has gone into what we do from a methodology standpoint and footwear goes into everything we do. And, and we call that, the, the, it's called the Red Wing Guardrail. The Red Wing Guardrails stand for everything that we do uh, in all parts of the product uh, presentation that we have. And, and it's not, and, and it's not even being, you know, it's it's more than just being the a vendor. We don't want to be a vendor. We we want to be a business partner and a solution provider of premium PPE pr products, solutions to that end user. Yeah, and it's not just the the providing of it. So Patrick, you and I were lucky enough to go to a Red Wing store and be fitted for boots. That fitting experience, I have never been, the young woman that waited on us had more experience in fitting boots and she was informative and helpful and useful. And, Tito, to your credit, she did a very good job of upselling, but she upsold stuff that was useful. So we walked out of there, it was the most best boot buying experience of my entire life. Oh, she told me about the care of my boots, this is the, this is the oil you should be using, put it on this time. And, but she was also a multi-generation. Her family had been in the boot business. She couldn't have been more than 25, 24 years yeah. old, but she knew boots in, in and out. I mean, she knew how to fit them. She knew, the, and I thought they were a little tight on me, and then I wear them all the time. The one she gave me, I was, she was right, and I was wrong. Yeah, and, and that's and just amazing pride. A absolutely, yeah. she wouldn't stop talking about boots. Not that we were trying to get her to stop, but she was just <laughs> she was. You could see the enthusiasm talking about boots, which is kind of you know it's it's strange, I guess, coming from the outside. 
somebody being that passionate about boots, but it was, you know, it's just the culture. It's amazing. Yep. That's that's what we do, Dave, and that's that's what we've done for over 112 years. Yeah, and another thing y'all do that I find is fascinating, but it's so beneficial to the oil and gas industry, is you don't go out there and just create a product. You actually partner with your clients, with your customers, and you listen to them, and y'all create products jointly. There's, there's a lot of products, not only from the footwear side, but also on the workwear side, that, uh, that we, have, we have really tried to listen and partner with our end user to, again, be a solution provider. We want to create the right solution to protect this, the, the most important asset that an oil and gas company has is their people. Yeah, yeah, it is the most important asset. It's something that, you know, it's a metric and it's a KPI, and I've said this on the show a hundred times, but in this industry, in their hearts, people want their employees to go home safe every night. Um, another thing I think that's really cool is I was actually, uh, and you may not even know this, Tito, I was actually at FMC Technologies probably about four or five months ago, and there's a mobile Red Wing trailer or truck in the yard, and they're fitting the guys there in the yard, and it's like, what a cool thing. Instead of them having to go shop and get a, a PO number, you actually brought the, the, the PPE to them and made sure they had the right stuff and it fit them correctly. That's right. It's, again, that, that platform that Red Wing has built over 100 years of not only 600 stores in the United States. I mean, we build a store every eight days. We have shoe trucks that are all associated with those, with those stores. And we're building those types of facilities every six weeks outside of the United States to, again, make it really easy for an, a customer, an end user, to engage with Red Wing as they need, right? Where and when and how they need to engage us as a, as a partner. Yeah, and that global growth is actually fascinating, too. Um, the oil and gas industry is a global industry. By expanding globally, you're going to make sure that whatever the comp- wherever the country is operating in the world, you can supply them with whatever they need. That's right. I mean, again, you you talk about the delivery platform. Distribution in 115 countries, four major hubs of distribution, all centered around the oil and gas industry. And so it's all there for that key customer, the oil and gas customer, to engage with Red Wing for whatever type of solution they, they need. Yeah, and Patrick, you, know, you and I talk about this a bunch, but during this downturn, a lot of companies out there, especially the upstream and the service companies that touch upstream, they've had to watch their dollars, right? They've pinched pennies, and maybe they didn't replace PPE like they should have. Um, maybe they didn't um, always get the best for their guys when they get stuff that's um, just enough. But what they don't look at, Patrick, is total cost of ownership. Absolutely, and I, I've, worn, I've been a customer of Red Wing since I started offshore in 2005. Global Santa Fe bought my first pair of Red Wing boots, and I've had them at every company ever since. With this downturn, I saw some, all right, we're going to shop around, we're going to look for other providers. And we were doing a, a trial run, and the reports we were getting back were pictures of boots with the soles peeling off. And the last comment we wanted in the questionnaire was, what boots do you prefer? And nobody knew that the title number was like, just, I want my Red Wing boots, Red Wing, Red Wing, Red Wing, stop giving me this other stuff. So total cost of ownership is a big deal if you're replacing the boots once every three months or once every year when Red Wings are going to last for years and years and years. Your cost, it, it, you save money over time, even though if it's not right on the, right on the, uh, the purchase order. Well, you know, like, like we were talking about earlier, it's, it's one of these things where the downturn for us was, a, was an interesting time for us because so many companies were sensitive to, to every aspect of their spend. So they, in many times, they would go out and substitute other products for Red Wing products Time and time again, 
those companies that had to substitute to save money all came back to right. Red Wing yeah. because, as you said, instead of buying one pair every year, they were buying four or five pairs, and it just didn't make economic sense. It was an interesting battle. There was operations guys, the ones actually using the equipment, had their own needs. Your HSC group had similar needs to the guys out there because you want, to, want the safest equipment. But it seemed like supply chain, the procurement side, kind of took it and ran with it. No, we're going to get the cheapest product up front that we can. And not just boots and gloves and everything else. It was just about every product we went out and tried to go for a sheer cost basis. The quality wasn't there, and we ended up going back to whoever it was, and Red Wing was one of our suppliers. But, you know, it, it's a great lesson for the new generation of, of HSE professionals and, and P&S professionals that, you know, there is that, that saying, you, you get what you pay for, really rings true. And so it takes, it takes these downturns to, to reinstill that, 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 that knowledge that was probably passed on beforehand, and those people you know, left, the, left during the downturn, so you have the, the new generations that have come in, and they have to learn that lesson that, you know, it, it may be cheap, but it's certainly, you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah, and, and PPE is very personal. It's personal protective equipment. If you're just buying the equipment and you're not using it, the guys that are using the equipment, they, they've got strong loyalty to the most comfortable, the best safety for them. Um, you, it's not just dollars and cents up front. It's it's total cost of ownership, it's safety, and it's comfort. Well, it's well that comfort piece is huge. I mean, that's keeping, keeping people happy while they work, keep them comfortable and safe. It's, it's one thing about being safe. It's another thing about being safe and comfortable. That's when you have the best safety practice being used is when people are comfortable in their environment. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, I was going to jump in there too. If the equipment isn't comfortable, they don't wear it, and your incidents start going up. I don't care how much money you save. You have somebody who has an uh, eye injury, would you just lost all that cost savings you have and sometimes it's just a few pennies more to have more comfortable eyewear than something that's less inexpensive you really save nothing by doing that i still argue with my mom about doing weeding she doesn't like wearing safety glasses they fog up they're uncomfortable it's a it's a battle for her but she's not in the in the industry so she hasn't been indoctrinated into wearing pp all the time and it's the same thing with the guys offshore or any any industrial setting if it's not comfortable for 12 hours a day you're not going to wear it or you're only going to put it on when someone's watching well, that's that's where those injuries happen. Is that people people may be using or having the PPE, but they're not using it correctly because again, they're not comfortable. And that's when those in incidents happen. Is that you know I had a there was a blow there was some kind of some kind of accident that happened, and the PPE wasn't correctly put on, or they just weren't using it because it wasn't comfortable and it was impeding in their job. And look what happens. They have an accident. Yeah, it's. I want to be cognizant of Tito's time. So if you're just walking by and listening, this is the Red Wing Oil and Gas HSNE podcast, the number two podcast in the oil and gas industry globally, and we're broadcasting here from Red Wing booth. Tito has a few more minutes. I guess the kind of things I want to wrap up here is is we is the most amazing thing about Red Wing as a company is the culture, is, is the people that live and breathe Red Wing, and that want to make sure they do a good job. And it's not because you're paying them, although I'm sure if you didn't pay them, they'd go somewhere else, um, or maybe not. But it's 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 in their hearts. Can you talk? Tell me about the culture of Red Wing and how y'all are able to drive such a positive, rewarding culture at a company that's so large. You know, it, it, it all goes back to, um, I think it goes back to the mandate by our ownership and, and how proud people are of the products that they make. I mean, it, it is a, it's a push and pull. I mean, clearly four generations that have owned Red Wing Shoe Company have always stressed, do what's right 
for the company and everything else will come. And, and that, that positive, you know, don't worry about tomorrow's dollar. Don't worry about day after tomorrow's dollar. We're going to go through the ups and downs of any business cycle, but because we play long ball, we're going to be through this, through thick and thin. And, and Red Wing, it, it's amazing. You know, when, when people, the first time that somebody starts working for Red Wing, after about four or five months, there's always that, that grin that they have that it's, this is a special place. And it's the pride that has our, that, that is sown in our culture that um, everything we do is, is because we're, we're a family. It's a family company and literally we're 2,300 strong. It's a big family, but it's a family. I would even say it's extended past that. I mean, going to Red Wing and seeing the town get behind it and ethically taking your logo and branding every one of their businesses with Red Wing. <laughs> it it's shows the pride. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the, the, the pride. The entire town has pride in Red Wing's quality, so they're, they're taking the brand and trying to make it their own because they, they want that extension of that your brand awareness, they, that you are a solid good culture yep worldwide red wing stands for something and what it stands for is quality right that's what we stand for so it's 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 just ingrained and in the families that work there and the families that work even overseas for us so we have over 125 families that live overseas that they've all come to red wing and and they have that red wing blood Right, so it's not just in the red, the town of Red Wing. It's in where all of our people live. All of the, that's that's how they act. That's how they engage with the communities that they they, they participate in. Yeah, that's an incredible story. All right, Tito, I uh, know you got a time constraint. Uh, we're gonna let you get out of here. Uh, Patrick and I go do phase two of the show. But thank you so much for being on the show. Mark, it's a pleasure. Patrick, it's always yeah, good to see you guys see and uh, happy trails. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Tito. Thank you. All right, if you just now stop it. <laughs> We got, we got the one marketing guy clamping in the background. <laughs> hey, I hope you enjoyed the first half of this episode that was uh, recorded from Red Wings booth at the ex- Exhibition Hall OTC 2017. This next segment of the episode was recorded from NOV Shrimp Boil on day two of OTC, where we talked to some of their subject matter experts uh, about some of the equipment that's helping keep the guys safe out there. So I hope you enjoy uh, segment number two from the NOV Shrimp Boil at OTC 2017. And we actually have, uh, before we get into our guests, we're actually here live at the National Oil Varco Shrimp Boil uh, during OTC 2017. It's been a great day. Uh, had some Beautiful great... day out. I mean, it's, it's a little on the warm side, but we're in some shade, so it's not too bad. Well, it's, it's not raining. It's not hot. Yeah. you got bluebird skies. Except and for cold me over beer here and had some shrimp. <laughs> yeah, and if you're walking by, listen to us. If uh, you'd like to join the conversation, just ask Paige. That's the uh, woman out there with the microphone waving around her head. Um, and another thing we need to mention, Patrick, before we jump into this, we also have our own radio station now. We do. We have a streaming radio station. You can listen to all, us in all our glory 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And who would not want to listen to us 24 <laughs> hours a day, seven days a week? Yeah. So, Patrick, who do we have on today as a guest? We've got, uh, I'm drawing a blank, Tom Yost. Uh, Tom Yost with NOV. And um, how are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, so, Tom, before we get started in this, how did you get in the industry? I was in the pump business for a little while yeah. and uh, was not oil field and uh, decided to jump in the oil field in uh, 97 with Schlumberger and uh, that's how I got in. 
Yeah. So you went from the pump business to a service company to another service company. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, but this one's like the toolbox of the industry. Like, yeah, a lot more to play with. A lot more to play with. <laughs> Y'all provide everything. And we're sitting here, Patrick, it's kind of cool talking about this, and we're looking at a rig right in front of us. We are. We got a land rig of what, you know, 30 yards away from us, and they're doing tours. If y'all are at, at OTC and want to come out, uh, NOB's got all their equipment out here. You can do tours of the rig. Uh, you can see the, you know, the, the rams here for the BOPs. They got all their equipment just to, to jump around, play with, and, and learn from. And, well, not only do they have all their equipment out here, they have their subject matter experts. So there's a double stack BOP. I guarantee you, I'll walk over there. That guy with the NOV hard hat knows everything there is to know about BOPs. Right? And it's the whole uh, yard is full of subject matter experts, equipment, tools. It's just really cool. It's a great way to learn. Absolutely. So, Tom, we learned how you got into the industry. What do you do now at National Allwell? Um, business and technology development, calling on operators. Yeah. So you're, at, you're basically out there trying to figure out what's new that the, your clients have an interest in and trying to figure out if National Oil can actually fill that need. Uh, what's new and getting to use what they don't know they don't have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're laughing because we both know how big that is in this industry. Well, and we, we talked earlier today that the, the, your customers are a hard sell because they're so resistant to change that if, if it's something new and untested that, well, I don't want to be responsible for the downtime if it breaks. If, and so you really have to sell to the operators and show them how much time it's going to save them so they help you sell to the contractors. Uh, yeah, they pay the book. They pay the bills. So any uh, improvement in efficiency uh, comes right off the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. And the industry knows. It's a you get the operators to do something. The entire industry is gonna gonna follow suit. Every time we make these advancements in technology, it, there's some learning curves, but it, it ultimately will make you better, faster, stronger. Uh, yes, it will. Yeah. And and safer. And safer, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And more environmentally responsible, because this is the HSD podcast. Yes. <laughs> So Tom, one of the pieces of equipment that we wanted to talk about was your, your stand transfer vehicle. Any, whatever you know, technological advances you've made there, can you tell us a little bit about what it does, what uh, y'all are doing with it, and how it's making the job more efficient and safer? Yeah, it was conceived in the uh, previous uh, upturn uh, prior to 2008, um, wanting to increase safety. Um, so we developed the tool for a contractor as a partner. Can you tell uh, us exactly what it is and what it does? Yes, it's uh, again called STV. It's short for Steel Steve. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Um, and it, it manipulates the drill pipe to get the derrick hand uh, off the racking board and into the into the driller's house. So that immediately removes him from harm's way and puts him next to the driller, where he's in an air-conditioned cabin and he's not working outside on, on 90 feet above the rig floor. Yeah, and I've seen these things operate. That the the driller's chair now they can do the the function one, bringing it from the setback to well center program that in and then it's going to do it automatically for them? Um, that's offshore on land. STV is a manually controlled okay. machine. Right. And manual means very easy to maintain, very easy to run. Uh, you and I could go run it today if we had to by just using video screens. So it's not run by sensors, it's run by video cameras. So it's like playing a Pac-Man game. Yeah, how cool is that that there's not a person there joining those pipes anymore that it's actually done remotely with video cameras? Yeah, it's it's very simple video cameras like you'd have on your like your computer here. Yeah, and it must make must make it easier to train people to do it properly because it's not um, actually using tools on the pipe. You're you're actually like you said, it's almost like playing a video game. Uh, yes, and the the person that is used to be touching the pipe is now five feet from from his boss, who's the driller. So the, there's a lot of different training aspect there. Not That's, hanging out up in the monkey board and. <laughs> yeah, so they can talk through the trip. He can actually sit in the driller's chair during a lunch break and actually trip pipe at the same time. So it, it really changes the dynamic of a rig floor. 
and gets people out of harm's way, but also gives the derrick hand the ability to work next to his boss, the driller, for an eight-hour trip. Well, that's something I hadn't thought about. I mean, you're increasing the safety because he's not out there actually doing it, but he's also getting more advanced training for the next promotion he's going to get, where before he was just kind of thrown into it. Yeah, he's just yelling at the driller from 90 feet away. Now he's sitting next to <laughs> right. it. Right. <laughs> Paige, you got anybody out there that wants to, to jump into the conversation? We... Oh. <laughs> Apparently not. I've asked several people. I think there's some people coming back after they get food, though. So. Yeah. yeah, so if you just walk them on and join us, this is Red Wings Oil & Gas HSD podcast, and we're sitting here talking about, what is the equipment? STV. Yeah. Steel, STV. Steel Steve. Steel Steve. Steel Steve, yeah. <laughs> So, so what kind of a, I mean, we talked about how hard it is to sell to drilling contractors, but when you sh when you show them the benefit, you know, getting the guy off out of the monkey board and down in the drill shack, and being able to train, but also getting his hands off the equipment, is is it a difficult sell to the to the drilling contractors you're talking to? Immediately realize the benefit of this piece of equipment. It's been a difficult sell because it's been launched over the last ten years, and it's not on every rig. And we thought that it would be like the next Iron Roughneck, like the next Top Drive, but it's just not on every rig yet. And the, the, the value is still not there as compared to safety. So safety has a price, and right now the price is, is not something that people can bear adding this machine to a rig floor today. Yeah, but I remember when the Iron Roughnecks first came out, it was the same thing with them. It took them, what was it the late 70s, mid-70s yeah. they came out, and they weren't really starting to adopt it until the 90s? And then they hit their tipping point in about 2008 where every rig had to have around Roughneck. So we're starting to see sales to new contractors. And once the operators start driving them, then you'll see repeat sales to more. We have one drilling contractor that's putting on every rig that they build. And we have some drilling contractors that are only putting on rigs that they require them. So, so are, you, are you seeing it that route? If it's, a, if it's a new rig coming out of the yard, it's an easier sell. They understand that, all right, well, I'll just, I'll just put this piece of equipment and it's the retrofitters that don't want to do it? Or is that not the case? Is it just? We're, we're adding them to, to new rigs as they come out of the yard mainly. Uh, retrofitting is difficult um, based on the mass design. Um, it's been a challenge, but uh, we're seeing uh, sales to new contractors today that were looking 10 years ago. So now they're starting to buy them. So we think that's a good sign as more of our partners purchase these machines. And repeat sales is the key to any product. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm curious if, um, you know, we have a younger and younger workforce coming in, right, that, that don't have the 10, 15, 20 years of field experience. Is it easier for them to get up to speed using this? Uh, you can learn to drive the machine, I think, in just a few days. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I think the key is just, it's, it's one joystick moving a machine that's through feedback from cameras. And it's, it's your own eyes seeing what's going on, and you're not relying on a computer to make decisions. It's you making the same decision you would if you were up in the derrick. It's just now you're sitting on the next to the driller, and you don't have to go through that large learning, uh, the big learning curve of uh, working in a derrick in, in that regard. Yeah, so I've been in this industry 20 years, and what I, we're seeing happen, and I'm seeing it accelerate with this downturn, is we're doing more and more automation on the rig, which is actually really cool. We did a offshore rig tour with our API Young Professionals uh, last year, and I haven't been offshore in 15 years. And when I walked on the drilling floor, it was like, oh my God, it's this big now, because there's nobody there, uh, which is naturally safer for everything. But are you seeing that too? You seeing that looking like we're going toward more and more automation? The, the automation, uh, we've taken care of the roughneck, the top drive, the cow walk, the driller's house. 
the next the next tool is the uh, is the pipe handling machine. So, so that's the next step in the natural progression. And we have somebody walking by. What's your name? I'm Elizabeth Huber. I'm past chair of ASM Houston, and I want to know how a professional society can arrange to get a tour <laughs> of an offshore rig like the API Young Professionals. And what's your name? Yeah, my name's Mark Lacour. Um, Mark I'm what? Mark Lacour. Lacour, L-A-C. Lacour. Lacour, yes. Marc Lacour. Yes, yeah. Um, it was an impossible thing to pull off. Even I, when I pulled it off, I'm thinking in my head, I cannot believe I just pulled this off. So it was a Pemex rig, it was a topside. It was come to the U.S. to be retrofitted. The company that did the retrofitting took liability, but because, once it crossed in U.S. waters, but because they were not an operator, their workman's comp mod or their risk is much less. I happen to know the president of the yard that was retrofitting. He's telling me about it, and I asked him, I said, can, can somehow we, fingers crossed, I'm saying, can, can I somehow arrange a tour for my young professionals? He goes, I don't know, let me call legal. So he calls his counsel, and he goes back, and he goes, yes. So it's like that perfect, like, yeah. Window of opportunity. Window of opportunity, and it was the most beautiful thing. We had young engineers from Chevron that had never been offshore. Worked for Chevron three or four or five years. Uh, Paige, that's how we met Paige. She came on the tour. Um, it, was, it was a wonderful experience. And, and just to s uh, tease you a little bit more, I think, I'm not sure, I think we're going to be able to do it again. So I need to give you a business card. We need to stay in touch. Um, if I'm able, to, you got one? Paige, take care. If we're able to pull it off again, we'd love to work with you and see if we can get you know, your people involved. Because um, the more people that we get exposed to that sort of stuff, the better. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. And Elizabeth, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot of stacked floating rigs available nearby. So you might be able to get on a drill ship or a semi I, I used to like going to Galveston what? and seeing the rigs when they were there in the ship channel, but now it's it's a little depressing seeing so, how yeah, many it's very so depressing. There's there's semis in Galveston you could probably get on, and there's drill ships in Brownsville. Hey, good question. Thank you. So Tom mentioned something pretty interesting about the the amount of or the, the lack of time it takes to actually get up to speed with this type of equipment. You've got a the number of rigs that are coming back online, land drilling starting to pick up. So you've got a lot a lot of drilling contractors, reactivating rigs, having to rehire a bunch of guys. And unfortunately, a lot of the people that left the industry during the downturn aren't coming back. So there's a, there's a real shortage of, of talent, trained talent that knows how to operate equipment and do it safely. So if you can shorten that learning curve when you're bringing these rigs back online, that's, that's another huge uh, efficiency and safety benefit of, these, of this new technology. The goal would be to reinvent uh, the position of Derrickan and uh, see if we can find a way not to have him have to climb the derrick every couple hours or stay up there for eight hours at a time. So that I would think be the there are key. a lot of derrick hands out there that would love for that to be their new job role instead of <laughs> having to climb up there every time. And <laughs> so it's um, one of the things that's fascinating, we know this because we actually had a chance to interview um, uh, Bill Crabb, your head of your HSE, on one of our earlier podcasts, is National Oil Well has a very robust safety culture. The thing I find so incredible about it is that it's not pushed down from the top. Every single person I've met at National Oil in the heart believes that being safe is the most important thing. And that if you need to stop a job, regardless of what's going on, you have the authority to do so. What's it like working in that type of culture where, where you know that your management has your back? I think the benefit is uh, working when you, when you go into an operator's office, uh, such as BP, ExxonMobil, you align with their culture immediately. So you, you don't feel unsafe in their facility and they don't feel unsafe in yours. I think it just it goes down from the rig to your car to the office, texting while driving, so forth. So I think that culture 
uh, has to translate from what we do here at NOV to our contractors and our operators. And you also something you take home. You know, if you go look at where Paige or Patrick and I parked, we're all backed in. That's from the industry, but we bring that home, right? Yeah. My son is not allowed to come down the stairs without a hand on the handrail, right? Um, and it's, I, I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, this industry, everybody in this industry wants to make sure that their people are protected and taken care of. As we were coming in on the shuttle, I think I saw two cars that didn't back into their space. And that's- And you know, we know they're not from the industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think Slumber's Day started that many, many years ago. Yeah, the industry as a whole has made huge strides in safety. We've said this on the show before, this statistic, but last year it was actually safer to work in the oil and gas industry in the U.S. than it was to be a realtor. And we've come a long way. 20 years ago when I got started, it wasn't like that. Um, it's really nice to see guys that have lots of experience and they still have all their fingers, right? Because when I got started, you measured somebody's experience by how many fingers he was, yeah. <laughs> and it's just nice to see that disappear. You know, yeah. you're looking at the, your rig tour that you're doing here and you have a lot of your clients and prospects and friends here. They're all, they're all with PPE. Before you let them get yeah. on that rig, they're all kitted up. Right? They're, all, they're all using both handrails too, right? Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Actually, I wasn't paying attention. Um, but, you know, driving that type of safety culture starts from the top, comes down. But when your frontline people buy into it, it's awesome. And it's really cool, like you said, that when National Oil Well works with, its, um, with the operators, that your safety culture aligns with theirs. It has to for us to get guys on their rigs to do their work. Yeah. And it also has to so that you feel safe about your guys doing work. And we have a peanut gallery. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Lane. Very good. Hey, Paige. What kind of car do you drive today? <laughs> give, give Natasha a mic. Oh, no, you're already, you, you made the mistake of coming here. Hey, guys. Hi, Natasha. Glad to be back. You just made it back for OTC? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, so we're recording Red Wings All and Gas HSE podcast, and we're actually talking uh, with National Oil about safety. And you actually work for a company that is not oil and gas focused, but you have an oil and gas part of your business, right? Correct. Does safety play a big part in your business? It is safety part of business because our technology allows to monitor some of the applications that, that you're working on. So fiber optic sensing technology allows you to monitor in along the pipelines and see if there are leaks or if there is anything when the temperature fluctuated. So that is directly correlates to safety, absolutely. Yeah, and so what's the name of your company? My company called the OFS. OFS, so there we go, we gave her a free plug. All right. And <laughs> I would tell her to go tell her head of marketing that we did that, but she is that person. <laughs> good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. I'm gonna walk around a little bit too. Yeah, go grab something to eat, grab a beer. Oh, I, like, uh, yeah. I like that she pointed out that uh, what, she, what her business does is related to safety because We've had a few discussions getting people on this podcast that couldn't really see the connection. They were, they were kind of technical experts, but they couldn't see the connection between what they did and safety. And basically anything, if you're driving efficiencies, if you're getting hands off the, off the equipment, if you're putting a guy in the, in the driller shack versus up in the crown, that is a safety benefit as much as an efficiency and technology benefit. Yeah, well, we've talked about this before. When you drive a safety culture, you automatically drive efficiencies. When you have less lost time incidents, you have more productivity. And it's, um, it's cool as an industry that we, f we actually figured out a while ago, but it's cool to see that we keep pushing that further and further and further. Um, and, and like I said, National Oil Well, who was, um, who, was, who was the guy that was just here with a hard hat, with the clear, um, what was his name? 
Jed. Jed, Jed. Yeah. 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 So, But the cool thing about that is Jed invented that. He saw a need. He actually was going up a ladder and almost fell because he couldn't see through his hard hat. National Olaf figured out that nobody else had a patent on it. They built it, and y'all could have monetized that. Y'all could have patented it and sold it, but instead, y'all just let anybody buy it, even your competitors, because you don't really care. Compet safety is not something you want to compete on, right? You want everybody to be safe, including your competitors. No, yes, we do. Yeah. And last time we talked about that, it wasn't out yet, but uh, Jeb said it was, it's been out for two weeks now. So if you're, if you're buying new hard hats and you want the, the best, it's going to give your guys a, a safety advantage going up and, up and down ladders. Also, just having it on, yeah, I mean, it's only an inch and a half of clear plastic. You, imagine, you can't believe how much extra visibility up you get. You know, the old moniker, look up and live. If you can see something coming down fast enough where you can actually get out of the way, that, that's, that's an added benefit, not just going up and down ladders. Yeah, and the, he's going to be happy now we mentioned him on the podcast because he was a little upset when he found out that we talked about his product <laughs> with uh, David and uh, Bill, and he wasn't invited to yeah. the conversation. I think he just found out it was on the podcast today. <laughs> I actually, I think, he, no, he, I think he did just find out today. All right, so this has been really cool. It's really cool to see National Oil Well, even in this lower crude price environment, look at ways to bring in new products and new services to your customers, which then drive productivity, efficiency, and safety for everybody. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, Patrick, a couple things. We need some housework here. We want to give a, a big shout-out to our travel sponsors. Without our travel sponsors, we would not be able to travel. So we have Lee Heck and Harrison. I'm sorry. He's got corrected on that today, didn't I? So no it's uh, Lee Heck Harrison. Uh, they are the global experts in talent management. They're currently helping 75% of the global 500 oil and gas companies simplify leadership and workforce transformation. And we also have Total Land. Total Land is literally the world's most advanced field land management uh, system out there. It's literally a landman's virtual audience. So thanks to both of those companies. Patrick will put links in the show notes. You need to go check them out. And it's about time that we give away a Red Wing bag. And this week's winner of the Red Wing offshore bag is uh, Roy Ferguson. He's the CEO at Petroplan. Congratulations, Roy. And if you want to win your awesome Red Wing offshore bag, all you have to do is enter. Go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Enter your information, and we pick one lucky winner a week. See official site for rules and details, and you could win the next bag. So we are going to get right back into the episode from NOV Shrimp Oil at OTC 2017. Yeah, and if you'd like uh, Patrick and I to come talk to your HSE group, your sales organization, management, your gun club, any events, conferences, whatever, reach out to Patrick and I. We'd love to come um, out and speak with you, speak for you. Um, we'll be happy to share the details. Uh, is that about it, Patrick? Ready to That's get out it. Of we don't have any. We don't have any major events coming up. So yeah, if y'all have anything you want to get on our calendar before we fill up this summer, uh, let us know. Yeah, and then once again, thanks to National Oil Well for having us out here. This has been a great time. It's um, about time to go get another beer. Absolutely. <laughs> so ready to do this? Yeah, let's go. All right. Don't be afraid to give up the good to go for the great. Y'all be safe out there. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Red Wings Oil and Gas HSC Podcast, a production of the Global Oil and Gas Network. Learn more from Mark LaCour at modalpoint.com. Connect with Patrick Pister at leanoilfield.com. From Houston to London to Dubai and 